Exam season for so many students across the UK has already started or is lurking. And I remember, and I'm sure you guys do as well, the sinking feeling at the pit of your stomach and the stress and the dreams about sitting your exams or nightmares, should I say. And there were so many other things that came with exam season and it was all around the pressure of doing well. And there are so many things that I wish I could have done differently or sooner to ensure exam terrors were just as easy breezy as they should have been. Today, we have Celia Litvin, a clinical psychologist and the founder of clinically proven mental wellbeing app EQ. With years of experience providing counseling and therapy and specializes in clinical psychology, including depression and anxiety and systemic psychology, the science of relationships. We're also joined today with Dr. Philip Jeffries, chartered psychologist and scientist with so many letters after his name, but most commemorable PhD. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Street. Great. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to be talking with you both because back in my day, we didn't have the luxury of podcasts or having psychological tips at our fingertips. And I think and I hope that this is really helpful to our students and our greater audience so that they can impart some wisdom on their friends, family, or even their students themselves. So I guess we can start with the question, why so many students suddenly possess this feeling of self-doubt during exam season? What goes on in their mind and why do they almost feel as though they are not going to succeed? Well, I would say it's a very natural process of preparing for something that you've never done before that is hard to do, that you know has a huge impact on your life, and then getting ready to actually do it, you you question if you are able to perform in a uh, scary new environment um, that is not like your couch where you're learning something, um, and uh, if you're able to remember all the things you, you set out to remember and implement them properly. So I think it's very normal and healthy to doubt yourself and you only stop doubting yourself after years of repetition and learning that you are able to if not excel then at least make it through um, and survive for another day or for another exam and I, I like a lot of students they I mean they go through GCSEs and then they may or may not choose to go down the route of A levels and then university and stuff and you guys obviously being in the position and profession you guys are in you've done a lot of exams and a lot of research and a lot of paperwork and stuff like that so how did you kind of come to terms with believing in yourself and believing in your expertise and what you've learned and applying that in exams let's see it's a good question I don't think I ever mastered that I think I always suffered through exams and they were never my sort of speciality I know there's a lot of people out there who prefer exams to coursework they just they're the kind of people who just they like to kind of perform on the spot they can do that whereas sitting down and actually kind of committing to long stretches of work is less their thing and I suppose I'm more the other way around um but I think you just it's repetition right and like for a lot of people the exam season this is the first time they're going into this kind of awkward moment where they're being put on the spot and they're being asked to do something to regurgitate knowledge to deal with hard questions you know in a kind of a pretty nasty environment as well it's not like you're doing this in the comfort of your own home so you're out there in this sort of silent setting where you know everything's very tense um and it's just it it just comes through practice and time like the more you kind of do this kind of stuff 
it's it becomes easier and that will like I'm sure a lot of people will even find that by the last exam in this season though the first one would be horrendous and by the time they get to the last one it's not like it's easy I don't think it ever becomes easy but the last one is just you know kind of what to expect and it's not so daunting in that way for me it was very helpful to set up a structure so um I think my structure itself wasn't so good <laughs> like I did uh, lots of late night studying the night before the actual exam writing down little cheat notes that I didn't have access to during the exam but I remember were the most important kind of like footnotes uh, to remember and then having my uh red bull and my three pens uh and you know that was kind of like my my safety framework and my structure and um I think I could have really optimized that but that alone kind of got me into the zone and being in the zone felt okay so it was it was still going into the the trenches but I, I felt like I knew what what to expect and I've been there before I've I've been able to get through it and worst worst case I have to study a semester longer which um you know is really not fun but you know it's not gonna kill your career yeah absolutely and I think that comes with a lot of the pressure that students apply on themselves where they don't want to do the retakes and they don't want to go through the whole year again and you know what their friends going to say when they're progressing and you're kind of taking a back foot and all of those kind of things and that I think that plays on a lot of people's minds as well when they're entering exams um, and then pressures from your family of course and all of that stuff and it it does play on your mind but what so I guess when you're kind of entering exam season and from your kind of professional backgrounds so did you guys see a spike in mental health problems in students or anything like that when you know when this exam season was lurking yeah I think it's it's perfectly natural for this to happen because it's not a nice time like everybody kind of goes into this and thinks well the pressure's on and you know when there's pressure there's a little bit of anxiety like we've already said you start kind of doubting yourself like that can kind of play havoc on mood so some people start to kind of get feel a few kind of depressed symptoms and that kind of thing like things can kind of really spiral out of control for some people they'll really struggle like um individuals who feel like slightly anxious you know about these upcoming exams they might kind of ruminate on that kind of anxiety. They'll recognize they're feeling a bit anxious. They'll feel that kind of pulse racing that might then send them off into some kind of sp uh, spiral. And, you know, you can get the beginnings of the beginnings of full blown panic attacks. So like you, there's a real sort of range of responses. Um, but and, and there's a lot of things that you can do as well. You know, there's a lot of um, techniques to try. Uh, and I think that's something which we're going to talk about anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I, I think when I was going through exam season, my main kind of outlet was frustration. It was if I was not getting the topic, I was getting frustrated in myself and therefore taking that out on every single person around me. And if somebody came into my vicinity, if I'm not understanding something, that's it. That was projected straight onto them. And I, in in hindsight, of course, I feel really, really bad for it. But that was kind of like my outlet where it's not a healthy way to kind of communicate with people. Obviously people kind of step away from you and they think let's leave her alone while she's going through this. She'll be better on the other side. But I think a lot of people experience so many different things and it's so hard to manage your own emotions when you're going through this exam season, no matter what stage of your kind of education career you are in, it's, it's 
always going to be stressful. What kind of advice would you give to those people? Um, so I think that what you're describing is kind of um, a mix of external and internal factors that all play a part on, you know, maybe spiraling down um, the mental health spectrum into an unhealthy place to be. And part of that is are things that are like physical, for example, like you don't, you might not be sleeping enough. Um, you might be eating poorly. You might not be exercising because you could study those 20 minutes longer. Um, you could be in a, in an environment that is um, uh, stressing you out, like friends that are stressed out parents who might be projecting or um, pushing you further than your limit. You might not be learning properly. So your brain might be overstimulated and that, that, you know, that makes a blockage and then, you know, it goes, it spirals down and say, oh, I can't remember the things I'm studying and so on and so forth. Um, these things you can change if you are aware of them. So for example, not studying into the late night because research shows that that ad adds absolutely no value. Taking breaks in between studying. So you go for a walk or you just take a nap. Those micro naps are super, super helpful for retaining information. Eating healthy Cutting coffee in after like 12, one o'clock um, uh, during the day, things like that will just help kind of like get your external environment to be healthier for you to manage your internal environment. And then you have all these personal scripts that are, that just start having their own lives when you are um, challenged with something as big as you know grades for example so in your family it might be a thing that you would be the first person to go to university or you would be the 10th person to go to university so they have high expectations like our family has always gone to this university and we expect that of you or we want you to be an engineer or you know these kind of things then your own expectations and, and scripts so like your belief system are you still a good person are you still worthy if you don't get the right grade that you want or hit the exam and being aware of these things and then trying to make the best psychologically beneficial choices to regulate them challenge the thought patterns that are unhealthy and are mostly untrue put them into perspective and then you know manage your physical environment I think already can put you on the right foot to be less um vulnerable to mental illness or challenging mental health for the duration of the exam season absolutely and I think one thing that you mentioned that I think would be quite helpful for our audience to learn about is you know you mentioned that it's important to get a, a good amount of sleep and I'm assuming that's probably around the eight hour mark but a lot of the time when you're revising or you've got something on your mind um, and you're stressed out you lie in bed and your mind is running a million miles an hour and you just can't go to sleep no matter what you try and do, no matter how you try and tire yourself out, do whatever you normally do in your routine. You just can't. You just feel wired. How do you kind of overcome that to make sure you are getting that eight hours or seven hours sleep that is recommended? Well, I mean, there are a few kind of like physical things you can kind of start off with. I think, like Celia said, it's kind of managing caffeine intake. Like, are you taking any kind of stimulants or anything like later on into the night? Um, are there things that are potentially kind of keeping you up? Other things like it's been shown that kind of screen use just before sleep isn't really great. You don't really go into a very restful sleep. Now, that's kind of hard for a lot of us 
sometimes the phone is the first thing we go to when we wake up it's the last thing we look at when before we go to sleep but just for the duration of exam period you might just want to do things a little differently just while you get through that just to kind of boost your sleep that little bit more and if you're tense I mean, just give yourself a bit of time as well. I mean, you might want to get to sleep as soon as you get in your room or whatever, but just give yourself a little bit of wind down time, whether that's like reading a book that's got nothing to do with your studies. Maybe it's playing some kind of like relaxing game, not something that will like work you up even more, but just something that you can kind of chill out with and then try different things. I mean, there's different things work for different people. So if meditation is not your thing, then yeah, maybe it is kind of like reading a book or something else that's just kind of trying to gradually bring down the tempo of things. And you can't necessarily always escape from um, these thoughts about upcoming exams because they're, they're kind of looming, right? So it's, it's good that they're on your mind and sometimes trying to push these things away becomes a source of stress in itself and can kind of make you feel a bit anxious that you can't ever get away from these thoughts and worries about the upcoming exams. But it's just kind of keeping it a little bit in perspective and just recognizing that these thoughts are kind of normal and these stresses about these kind of situations also very normal and that it's a shared experience as well like everybody's kind of worrying about them if they're not they might be a little bit overconfident yeah and, and that point that you said with the meditation or mindfulness is not for everyone i think in situations like this long-term practice of mindfulness is super helpful so most of the time we don't really need need to do mindfulness or meditation exercises. And then by the time then we hit a phase like an exam period, then all that time that you spent preparing your mind and body to react a specific way to deal with thoughts, um, unwanted thoughts like worries and, you know, kind of see it's, a, it's the monkey brain and they're just fish in the water and they're floating clouds and all these thoughts that you learn when you're meditating. That's when it really becomes helpful. So it's, it's almost like preventative for when, you know, uh, exam season or something terrible happens um, that it, it kicks in all of the time and effort you put in before that. So um, it's not for everyone for sure, but, you know, if you don't find yourself hating it, <laughs> I would highly recommend um, your, your daily dose of uh, meditation. And there's quite a few things that you can do with your body um, to help uh, calm yourself down. Um, so, for example, there's a, a physiological sigh where you breathe in really deep. And then you at the end of that, when you think you can't have any more air, you do a, a quick, sharp second inhale and you breathe out very slowly. And that has shown to instantly lower your heart rate variability and calm you down visibly. So you do that like five times in a row. Um, then there's things like progressive relaxation where you do a, a body scan and you you um, tense your muscles starting at for your feet, for example, and then letting it go. And that way you're kind of teaching your body what is an intense situation and what is the relaxation. And that process alone will complete will really calm you down um, as well as, you know, going to the gym, not before sleep <laughs> and doing like a cardio session where you just kind of like get get your um juices running for later in the day that will help you calm down and you do it in the morning it will help you be able to fall asleep better in the evening so all, all these kind of things um, when I was I think when I was doing my um uni exams I didn't really realize the benefit of things very small things and very simple things like fresh air and because I think a lot of people stay in their rooms they coop themselves up in their four walls and they just don't want to leave until they feel like they've learned something and I didn't 
I mean, you know, you get asked, oh, do you want to go out for a walk? Or do you just leave the house and go do an errand or something? And just escaping from that area that you're working in constantly just was so beneficial for me. And I think I really, really did not understand how well that could help somebody just breathe for a second. And then you're kind of reflecting back and you're testing yourself almost when you are away from your desk space. And you surprise yourself on how much you've actually remembered, because I think when you're in front of something and you're seeing it again and again, you're trying to remember it exactly as you're seeing it. Whereas your, I guess your brain is almost interpreting stuff in different ways and helping you process things in different ways. And then eventually it does come out when you're sat there doing your exams. But that's my tip for the day. Fresh air, get some fresh air, guys. It's really, really going to help you. What is it about exams that leads students to believe that their brain is not retaining information? So people, like I just said, people sat there trying to read the same thing again and again, and eventually they just believe that their brain is just not going to hold that. And, you know, it's, it's a leaky sponge, essentially. What's what's the psyche behind that? I would say that it, I would say that could be two two different things. So if you're in a highly aroused state, so you are anxious and you're trying to study and you're studying something that you are not confident about knowing, um, something happens where parts of your brain take over the amygdala, which is practically the, the flight and fight response area, takes over and hijacks your brain and the prefrontal cortex, which usually is used to process information, the cognitive part of the brain, it's sat somewhere else and can just sit and watch you sit there and panic about not understanding that, you know, that piece of, uh, um, piece of study material that you need to know. Um, so it it's, you cannot really study something if you're highly aroused. So being able to calm yourself down first, I think is really important. And then there's a lot of misconceptions about studying and what the brain can retain and how long you're supposed to study and what you're supposed to do in between studying. Like we cannot sit there for 12 hours and study and consider that a good day that it just doesn't work that way and trying to do that is just going to frustrate you and make you scared think you don't don't work but not understanding that it's we're fundamentally not built to learn that way i think um it's quite interesting like you say we we can only sustain our attention for a certain amount of time i'm fairly sure i was in a i'm remembering this correctly but I was in during my undergrad years in a cognitive psychology lecture and they were teaching us about attention spans and showing in a study that your attention could really only be sustained for about 20 minutes at a time. And this was in an hour long lecture. So like, you know, the irony is kind of completely lost on the person who was delivering that lecture. But I, I like that kind of, you know, resonated with me because you start to lose the will to live if you're staring <laughs> at pages and pages over time and you just need to break it down in some kind of way. Like there's various techniques. There's, I can't remember what it was called. It's something like a tomato timer or there's an approach where you sort of focus for 15 minutes or something like that. And then you've got your two minute break or whatever is a five minute break. So there's, I guess there's lots of variations on that. But the idea is that you're, you focus for a certain amount of time and then you're not allowed to focus anymore. You've actually got to disconnect yourself and quickly go out for that walk or get yourself a cup of coffee off to the toilet or whatever, and then you're back on it. And that kind of works for a lot of people, or it's just kind of fun to try. You can kind of experiment with that. It works for some people. Yeah, it does work for some people. It never worked for me, though, because I remember I used to do the 45 minutes on, 10 minutes off, and that 10 minutes used to turn into three hours. I used to find something that was so distracting that I would 
go and have the longest conversation possible with somebody about a whole load of nothing just so I didn't have to come back and sit there and revise again and I honestly the days just went with doing that and it was it it helps a lot of people and I think you just need that discipline to make sure that you are doing the time on time off whereas I obviously lacked that discipline massively I think you may have accidentally been doing something right because modern research or current research shows that the break in between learning sessions should be between two and three hours, no longer than 90 minutes and between two and three hours. So you must have uh, <laughs> instinctively known that 10 minutes is not enough and given your brain the time to practically soak it in. I mean, ideal would be not to fill it with nothingness, you know, chit-chatting about something, but um, you are onto something. Oh, go me. <laughs> and that is the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, Celia and Phil. And to anyone who is listening, best of luck for your exams. And don't worry, everything will be A-OK. Excellent. Whee.